Welcome to Season 4 of Rainbow Colored Glasses, a podcast that looks at queer media of the past and asks what it means today. I'm Paul, my guest is Satirios, and today we're discussing Paul Oramlin's 1998 film, Like It Is. There will be spoilers. Craig, a bare-knuckle boxer from Blackpool, hooks up with Matt, a music promoter from London. The hookup goes badly, but soon enough they're dating. Matt's jealous friends don't approve of his lower-class boyfriend. They try to break the couple up. And the tone falls somewhere between a melodrama and a rom-com. Satirios, you just watched this for the first time. What were some of your impressions? Paul, this movie was terrible. Oh, wow. Um, I just did... I found... I think there were some interesting performances in there. But there were so many... It left me with so many questions. And the world of this universe made no sense to me at all. There were so many holes in the narrative. I felt sympathy for Craig, the lower class character, because I I felt that he was doing what he needed to do to get by. But I also did not understand the relationship at all. I didn't understand Matt's yearning to be that he's this music producer, but now he wants, but his big dream is to be a manager of a nightclub. Like, well, why isn't that enough? And then I didn't understand why is his roommate this big pop star, but why are they roommates? It just feels like they're all up and coming, but they have these great, exciting jobs. But then things just kind of fall. And it's, it is an English film. So maybe there's some cultural things that that are lost in translation. Like if I imagine someone who the newspaper is writing things about, I imagine that they have some kind of a sense of fame or wealth that don't necessarily have to worry about, have to cohabitate with their music producing friend, or if that's even their relationship. I just found it to be really difficult to digest i found the relationship to have zero merit at all i think that there were some campy attributes to some of the characters like i thought paula was a mess and i appreciated that but beyond that i just found the characters to be cartoony and there just wasn't anything really grounded in any kind of like recognizable emotional content that allowed me to kind of go on anyone's journey. I just thought everyone was making terrible choices throughout the whole thing. And I didn't understand why they were, there were no stakes, basically. I didn't understand what the stakes were in this relationship that we're supposed to care for because it wasn't built on anything. It wasn't built on, like, I didn't understand why Craig was into Matt or why Matt was into Craig. What was your take on it? I'm sorry, I've I've been talking, I've been been throwing this, this, this poor movie under the bus and and uh, um, I'm curious to know what 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 was your take on it? Because how many times have you seen it? I've seen it about four times now. Okay, and I've seen a lot of gay rom coms, and I feel like the structure that this one fits closest to is the Cinderella story. The scrappy working class kid goes to the ball in this case, the mm-hmm. London Gay Club, and. Yeah. Prince sees Prince Charming, but the shoe doesn't fit, and the kid runs away. 
<laughs> I'm going to start calling painful annual that. The shoe just didn't fit. <laughs> and then these two have to find each other again. Yeah. But these two villains, the sort of stepmother and wicked stepsister character, come between them and try to get them to break up for arbitrary reasons. But mm-hmm. then the prince abdicates, gives everything up to be with the poor kid at the end. And, it's a different version of Cinderella, for sure. <laughs> sure, sure. But I mean, yeah. we've had all these Hallmark rom-coms recently that fit the same thing of the whole idea of true love means giving up your big city job to move to a small town with some generic guy. And some do it well and some do it badly. And I feel like a fun one that we saw recently was Red, White, and Royal Blue, mm. which had a scrappy American falling in love with a British prince. And, and, we'll, and the scrappy we'll, American is also the first son of the United States. So let's like this whole, this whole, like he's working class and like, no, but he's still definitely a point. Of, he's at the present. He's a point of privilege. But with that, with that movie, I will say though, that like that, there was a slow burn on that relationship that had me in tears, you know, like I believed it and, and I'm very happy in my relationship, but it made me want to fall in love again. You know, it just kind of really took me on a trip that this one just didn't have it. And I don't think it had anything to do with the class structure that one was a prince and the other one wasn't. I mean, there's certainly a lot at stake in that relationship and there could be a lot at stake in this relationship, but I just don't understand a why everyone hated Craig so much why why everyone thought that this relationship was so doomed he seemed to be a really nice guy he was really cute you know is it was it I mean and and this was normally I watch movies with the with the with the audio with the audio subtitles on and this one did not come with it so I may have missed some stuff but was it because of the class like did they not approve of him because he came from a working class background or or that i mean i don't think anyone really knew that he was a boxer but i didn't understand why this person like i don't know if someone was in a relationship i'd be happy for them if they were my friend i don't understand why everyone was so gung-ho about about this person not being in a relationship i mean did paul was paula in love with matt it was that the whole thing i think like, that's this, like, definitely this- part of it when she has the her heart to heart with the secretary in the bathroom near the end. But she's also points out that he's the one who's given her her career. And there's this sort of, there's a hypocrisy in these two villains because they think, Oh, Craig's so low. He's so crude. But then as soon as they get the opportunity, they're snorting Coke and talking like sailors and yeah, behaving terribly themselves so it's this contrast between the supposedly posh music biz where they're basically pimping out these boy band members versus the the boxing biz where the greasy backstage managers are basically selling who's gonna get severely injured and to bet on to bet on these (laughs) boxing matches (laughs) And so Roger Daltrey, his character, and Roger Daltrey was the lead singer for The Who. I was introduced to him by the movie Tommy, the musical that he's Gotcha, gotcha. He's this lecherous queer producer who 
is been has been dining on these young stars. He puts these young men into the music biz so that he can pick his favorites and sleep with them. That's what he thinks Matthew's doing with Craig. Every time he sees him, he's like, oh, it's the bit of rough. I've got something just like that in the car. And mm-hmm. he keeps telling Matthew, don't don't let your rough trade get in the way of your career. He's, it's just sex. And the part I don't buy is Matthew's arc. Here's where it all falls apart for me is, like you said, I don't see Matthew fall in love with Craig and I don't see Matthew decide to give everything up. And he keeps telling us, but not showing us because he tells the secretary, I think I'm falling in love and I never fall in love. I don't have feelings like that. We're not following the journey they're trying to take us on. It's didn't find it believable at all. And, and I, I don't necessarily need these two characters to, to have some kind of a, heteronormative or even a class because class is a part of this as well and i think this is i think this part of the conversation is something that a lot of queer people do encounter is that we don't really necessarily especially if someone is coming from humble means we don't necessarily have a like i said like the one thing that i appreciate with the character is that he's doing what he needs to do to survive and i at this point he has nowhere else to go but the thing the thing that i appreciate that craig doesn't Craig doesn't know what the progression of a relationship is. Not not because A, maybe no one ever showed him. He never had a role model, but also he never had a queer role model either. So like this idea about the disasterness of showing up to this one night stand and asking to stay there after it went so horribly the first time that there wasn't anything that either of them thought was this was a bad idea. And granted it, I guess it did work out, but there was something that just felt so easy about that situation. It felt that they all felt too comfortable with this arrangement that they made with each other. And he was like, oh, good thing you're cute. You can stay with me. You can live in my bed after I met you for the first time. Well, just, they at least yeah. hint that he's done this before. Roger Roger Daltrey and Danny Bear, the the villains, uh, Paula and Kelvin have that conversation where Kelvin's like, "What's the big deal? This is what he does with his boys. He he adopts oh, them. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. He adopts them for a week and then he throws them yeah. out. <laughs> and maybe maybe that maybe that was the case. And that that was a that was a characteristic that I that I missed. But it was also just like I don't know. I think that it found. I just found myself cringing. And that getting in the, not I would say getting in the way, I think that the movie gets in the way, but maybe my uncomfortableness about how these this relationship was developing was getting in the way of me having any connection with any of these characters, even the villains. The reason this film ultimately did work for me is that I like Craig, the protagonist. I think Steve Bell's really cute. He has charisma, even when his character's doing dodgy things like stealing cars and robbing places. I'm rooting for Cinderella to get his prince and get a better life. Because when I think about Prince Charming, here's the weird thing. Like we use this term Prince Charming. And for me it's like the Prince Charming is like it's financial security. The all of the examples of of things that you gave, and I think that's the big thing about this film that 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 you can't really compare it with the other ones, is because 
It's not about like someone who's emotionally available who becomes emotionally available. It's about someone who is in a is a completely different class who does not have privilege or resources to sustain anything that resembles a life. He does not really have any skills other than fighting. Not that we know of. And he's very sweet. He's very kind. He's like I said, you said, he's very cute. But in every single one of these examples that you offered, they're all successful, financially independent people. And this character just is not. And so the options are very limiting to him. Now, the thing with Matt, I don't think Matt is a good person for him in the sense that I don't think it's what he needs other than the fact that he can give him a place to stay. And I just don't think that's enough reason to root for this relationship. You know, he cheats on him. He he's he's I don't know. I feel he's condescending to him. You know, while he's trying to sleep, he's downstairs snorting coke with his friends. And, you know, so there's just a lot of things where I'm like, here, wait, maybe this person is just in this really toxic relationship. And I don't think that Matt knows how to love someone who is as, um, I don't want to say damaged. I think that's such a pejorative word, but like someone who is, has the tire tracks on his soul that, that Craig has. Well, he doesn't know how to take care of a baby gay. He doesn't understand the campfire rule of leaving the site better when you leave. Yeah. I mean, but to call him a baby gay too, like that's also like, I don't want it to, I don't want to make it feel like he's like this middle class person who's just like, he's this little, no, he's, he's someone who, 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 who comes from a difficult life. And, and maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but I'm, I'm also trying to understand like, what is it about Craig? Is it that he can't get a legitimate job? Is it that he can't, doesn't have any skills to do so, or is he addicted to fighting? Because his brother seems to be okay. His brother has his own place. Or is it just that he wants to be gay, and but he can't see with his brother because he's not out to his brother? Like, is that what it is? And I guess that I guess that's what I mean by like the stakes just aren't there. Because we keep on talking about this character like he's lower class, but I'm also like, why is he lower class? It's not because he's 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 a, of a part of a marginalized community other than being queer. I didn't but, realize until a later watch that he's also an ex-convict because his brother says, keep acting like this and you'll be on the inside again. And they never mention it again. So, of oh. course, implying he's been to, he's been to prison and that limits his employment opportunities. It's those thick accents. I really needed the subtitles on this one because I totally missed that. I totally missed. And I'm not surprised to hear that, but that could be a part of it, too. But like the idea, I feel that the that the the creators of this film want us to root for these characters. We they they want us to root for them to get together, but they're not honest with each other. You know, like they're like the things, and I don't begrudge Craig for withholding this, but knowing that he's an ex-con, it's really important information. Knowing that he supported himself through underground bare knuckle boxing, that's another. That's also important information. He can't get a job. Why? Okay, so they can only work for these really sketchy people. But like the the idea about sharing these things with someone is a part of the falling in love process, is a part of sharing your past, sharing, and not just with, with romantic partners, but also like with friendships, with strong friendships. Like to sustain those, you need to be able to be honest with people about who you are, what your past is, what's going on. And it just feels like everything 
the very sort of like shoestring relationship that they're on is based on just these very superficial things of like sad puppy dog eyes and he's cute. I just felt bad for this character who was abused. I felt he was just continually being continually being abused and exploited, even by this person who's supposed to love him. Paul, you're a gem. I love doing these, and thanks okay. for. I hope I hope I didn't I didn't like crush this for you. If it is a movie that you really like a lot, <laughs> it is a movie I like. I think conflict makes for a good podcast. It was Agreed. Fun seeing you get riled up. I think there's some good <laughs> material there. <laughs> well, have a good one, friend. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Rainbow Colored Glasses. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. The music you're listening to is Squares, licensed under Creative Commons. If you like us, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We'll see you next time.